Welcome to the Redeeming Roots podcast, hosted by me, Megan Barrett. One thing I've learned in my own life and from the women I've coached is that when things aren't going the way you want, there's a reason. The truth that most people don't know is that your unconscious beliefs are hiding beneath every decision in your life and are directly responsible for creating your results. Here on the podcast and inside my coaching programs, we dig deep to get to the root of what's happening, not only to heal the past, but to rewrite the script. So whether you want to grow your own business, become a more patient mom, or just heal your past wounds and live into the real you, I'm here to guide you towards a life that's rooted in love, truth, and authenticity, where you are able to fully trust and lean into your own intuition. Thanks for being here. Let's dig into today's episode. Welcome to the Redeeming Roots podcast. I am so excited today because I have a special guest with me, a friend and colleague, Diane O'Hara. So Diane is a personal resiliency specialist and embodiment coach with a passion for empowering women to reconnect with their intuition. She helps clients navigate the uncomfortable part of embodying a growth mindset so they can experience epiphany moments that bring more clarity and peace to their lives. With over 20 years of leadership experience spanning military service, motherhood, and entrepreneurship, Diane is uniquely resourced to guide her clients with grace and compassion using NLP timeline therapy and hypnotherapy methods. So Diane, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, Megan. I'm really pleased to be with you today. Awesome. And Diane is like one of the most positive people I know. (laughs) She's like one (laughs) of the people who's always like, I loved your podcast today. So I'm so happy to have her on the podcast because it just fits. It just makes so much sense. It fits so well. Um, So today what we were going to talk about is resiliency. Um, So that's like, you know, what does it look like to experience something hard in your life and come out on the other side with hope? Um, I Googled resilience. I think it was just resilience, not resiliency, but I Googled resilience and it was um, the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness, or the ability of a substance or object to bring, to spring back into shape or, or elasticity. So those were kind of like two separate ones. So the capacity to withstand or recover quickly from difficulties, that's kind of one version of resilience. Or I included this one too, because it wasn't exactly related to people, but we can, we can make it, make that leap toughness or the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape or, or elasticity. So Diane, you call yourself a personal resiliency specialist and I love that title. And I would love it if you would share a little bit about, you know, why do you call yourself that? What do you think of when you think of resiliency? So I, talk to my clients about resiliency by framing it this way. My version is uh, weather, right? So you never know what the weather is going to bring. Sometimes there's a heavy storm. Sometimes there's rain, flooding. Sometimes it's just wind. Sometimes the weather is just the weather. It's just a normal day and nothing really exciting is going on. And, And yet there are sort of outcomes from the weather, right? So if there is a rainstorm, maybe there's flooding. If there is a windstorm, maybe there's a lot of debris on the ground. And it's what you do after the storm, right? And sometimes we're really fortunate when there's a terrible storm to walk out our front doors, look up at the sky and see a rainbow. And sometimes there's a terrible storm and you walk out your front door and you've got tree limbs down and maybe even on your vehicle, 
right? And there's still more work to be done afterwards. And resiliency is, to me, very much like like the weather that we go through in life. It's um, what's happening around us, what's happening to us that maybe we don't have a say in. And what are we doing on the other side of that to bring ourselves back into a place of, of peace? And um, sometimes it's very possible in the most difficult situations to um, come out on the other side and see the rainbow. It's not always a bright, shiny, double rainbow. Sometimes it's faded, but it's there. And um, that's what I want for my clients is for them to be able to walk through some of the storms of life and, and find the rainbow, even if it means they're picking tree limbs off their car, um, even if it means it takes a little more time to get to that clear sky. And so that's what I, that's how I describe resiliency to my clients and why, it, oh, I, why love I love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I mean, like the weather's been crazy. Like we're recording this in January, like mid January after that crazy coldness, which some parts of the country are still very cold in Texas. We've warmed back up a little bit, but, um, I mean, I'm, I'm getting like text pictures from friends who's had like trees fall on their house and they can no longer live in their house. And so like, I feel like that, that metaphor is so great because we all can kind of put ourselves in that position, right? Like it doesn't have to be a specific situation that happened in life. It can be like, oh, wow, this feels like a tree just landed in my living room. What am I going to do about it? Um, I love that. So, um, you know, each person has a story, right? Like we all have our own unique story. Maybe we have a lot of stories where we've kind of experienced something challenging um, or difficult or, you know, like the equivalent of a tree falling on your house um, or maybe just a few branches outside, right? Like we have these, the spectrum. Um, what I want to talk about is kind of like, you know, you have a choice and you kind of mentioned this, like you have a choice when after the storm, <laughs> do you focus on all the branches around and everything that's gone wrong? Or do you look for the rainbow, right? Like you can, you can go, you can stay in a victim mode thinking that things will always be hard. Um, and you know, of course this happened to me, right. Or you can, you can flip the script and like turn that story towards healing hope and like more of like that growth mindset. And so Diane, your journey, your life has had some really hard things happen. And like, you've had divorce, you've had, you've been through single parenthood, military service, you lost a son to suicide. And yet you are so positive. Like I said, at the beginning, you're so optimistic. You always have a smile on your face. You're like the first person to write me an email and say, Oh my gosh, I loved this so much. It's like, you are such a light in the world. And so I'm curious, have you always been like a resilient person yourself, or is this something that was developed over the course of all of these really difficult things that happened? Well, first of all, thank you. <laughs> it's so nice to hear things about myself that I feel are wonderful, but um, how it affects you and brings joy to your life is really satisfying to me. So thank you for those words. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> so, you know, it's you said a few minutes ago, we always have a choice. Right. And I didn't realize that resiliency was part of who I am. Um, I had someone ask me several months after my son died, um, how, how do you do it every day? Like, how do you even get out of bed? 
And my first response was, I don't have a choice. I have two other children at home. I have a husband. I'm the primary earner in my household. Um, There are people who are depending on me. And I sat with that and I thought, you know what? That was the wrong answer. I do have a choice. I have a choice whether I'm going to let this loss control the rest of my life or whether I am going to allow this loss to bring more peace and clarity into how I move through the world. That was a huge shift for me. Um, And once I was able to wrap my head around that in what has to um, be the most horrific experience of my entire existence um, up to this point, it, it really helped me to understand that resiliency is something that um, I want other people to have. I know other people who've suffered loss, like I have that particular devastating and traumatic loss. Um, I've been through lots of difficult things in my life and I've always made the choice to do the hard things. Sometimes it's taken me a while to do it. Um, And I've never once regretted uh, my decision to move through the difficult things and to keep fighting for peace and joy. Um, It's such an empowering feeling when you can look back on some of the darkest moments, some of the scariest things that you've ever encountered and see yourself from your new perspective of that was really hard. And here I am, I am still finding joy. I'm still bringing joy and I'm still finding value in, in the days ahead of me and, and even finding value and having navigated those really difficult things. Yeah. I, I heard someone say the other day that like, if, if the people who have never had to wait for anything in their life are like the most impatient people, like you don't, you don't grow pay, you don't get patient by never having to wait for something, right? Like it's kind of like a muscle like that is exercised. And I wonder if resiliency is kind of similar, like you had it in you, you had the capacity in you and these life circumstances allowed you to really tap into that and like own it, you know, and like move forward. Like, this is who I choose. Like you made that choice. This is who I choose to be. Um, which I think is so powerful because I really do think people, most people are walking around believing that they don't have a choice in, you know, whatever it is. And I, I think it's extremely empowering to realize that you always have a choice, right? you know, like moms can say, I don't have a choice. Like I have to make my kid lunch. It's like, well, you do like, you don't have to make them lunch, but yeah, then they're going to scream and they're like, you know, they're going to be so hungry. There are consequences either way. Right. And so just kind of owning, owning that I think is just so cool. And I love, do you remember like how far, how long after your son passed away that you, you decide like you knew that it was a decision you were making? Um, I think it was probably, the, honestly, with grief that is that dense, the first three weeks after his death are just a blur. Um, mm-hmm. I remember bits and pieces of it, but it was really around um, eight weeks. It was really around the two to three month point 
Um, and I know exactly when it happened. I was having a conversation with a very dear friend, someone that I had known since I was a teenager, um, the parent of someone that I went to school with, uh, that I kept in touch with for years. And she had lost a grandson to suicide. And, and she was calling to share her support with me. And instead of sharing her support with me, she was regaling me with these horror stories of how um, the suicide in her family had completely torn them apart and all of the relationship troubles and, and things like that. And I, I stopped her and I said, that might be what's happening in your family. That's not what's happening in mine. This is a terrible thing. And we are learning to live without him. And we are learning how to support one another. We're not tearing ourselves apart from the inside out. Um, and, and that was when I realized that not everyone has those resources to be resilient. Um, I had always had that inside of me and I had proven it over and over again. And it seemed an insurmountable amount of grief um, that, was, that was being held within our family. And I also knew that with compassion, with grace, and with fortitude, we would bond together and come out of it um, with a deep appreciation for the relationships that we still had. And I think that was the first time that I realized that not everyone has the capacity and the tools to bring themselves through a difficult thing and find themselves um, capable, competent, confident and at peace on the other side. I don't know that we're always better for bad things that happen to us. I think that could be a stretch, right? It's what mm -hmm. we choose to do with the things that occur. And sometimes we have a choice. We choose to turn left. We choose to turn right. We choose to take a job or not take a job. And some things like my son's death, I didn't have a choice in experiencing that. That is a thing that happened. And I had to pick myself up from that and decide how I would move through life after that. And um, I can't think of a better way to honor him than to continue to live life and to create that bond within our family so that each one of us that's surviving has the tools and resources to be resilient in the face of anything. Um, mm -hmm. So Yes, there was a moment. Mm -hmm. And and that's how it came about was realizing that there are so many people who don't have the resources that I do who don't have the fortitude. Um, and and I'm grateful that I do have those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's beautiful. Just what a way to honor him, right? Um, I love that. So I think that as humans, you know, it might be easy for someone to, to think, oh, Diane's just like always in that place, right? She's always thinking things are great and they're going in a great place. And, um, but we're human, right? So we cycle through everything, right? <laughs> so, um, we're talking about like Diane and her story and her path, kind of just making that choice to, to move towards hope and helping other people, um, that doesn't mean that we're like ignoring how hard it was. Right. And I think you, no one would think that after even just a few minutes of hearing Diane share her story, like we're not ignoring the pain or the grief or like 
the real, real stuff that happens in life, um, we can acknowledge it. We can, we feel it. And then I think, you know, some of those tools that Diane's referring to is like knowing how, like making that decision, what direction do we want to go next? And then having those tools to get where you're trying to go. Right. So I'm wondering if you can share a little bit, like, do you remember kind of having those ups and downs? Do you feel like it's some, you know, it kind of trended upward or, I mean, do you still kind of have like down, down days and up days, or I'm curious if you could share a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned earlier that I've had a a lot of difficult situations in my life and yet I'm so positive (laughs) and, you know, there, my divorce is a decade in the past and there are still some times where I have big feelings around that difficult time. Um, I was a young mother. I was on active duty. I was stationed overseas. We didn't have a lot of community. It was a very small unit that I was assigned to in the middle of nowhere. We weren't on a U.S. base with U.S. um, facilities around us. It was a very intimate environment. Um, And it was difficult. It was really hard. It was really hard to know who to turn to when everyone was in the chain of command and anything personal that you shared could come back um, to haunt you in in your professional life. Um, that was a really hard period of time to navigate. And, and then moving back to the US and knowing within a few months of boots on the ground that my marriage was over, um, knowing that I had three small children and the military doesn't take kindly in many circumstances to single parents. And so there was a lot of fear there and a lot of choices that I made at that time from a place of fear and divorce is a terrible thing. There's grief there as well. And I think anyone who goes through those experiences can understand that those feelings ebb and flow. And especially around the decision to leave a relationship, right? Because you've made a commitment and you had an idea of what your future would be like. And suddenly you are faced with making the choice to very significantly disrupt that future that you planned and that you dreamed for. And so as I have gained space from the divorce um, and as I've gained space from my son's death, I'm learning to see objectively um, how I moved through life, making the decisions that I made with the tools and resources I had at that time. And along the way, I did the very best I could with the strength and the courage that I had at that time. And I think it's really important that we as humans, as, as just people, stop and give ourselves credit for having gotten through the bad days, gotten through the difficult situations. Um, It's not always easy. And every once in a while um, I'm, I'm remarried now. (laughs) My, my husband is fantastic. It's a very loving relationship and also we're humans and it takes work. But every once in a while, my husband will say or do something and 
I will start to lose my mind. (laughs) (laughs) And I have to stop and remind myself that this is a new relationship. This is a different person than my first marriage. And not only did I marry someone who's very different from my first husband, but I myself am very different now as well, because I've put in the time I've had more experience with life. I've learned new things and I've made new choices that inform who I am today. And, and so, so yes, things do come back and, and bite you a little bit. Um, I think the difference for me now and the difference that I, work for, for my clients is that, that bounce back, that resiliency, that elasticity to come back to being in a, in a place of more joy and, and peace uh, happens much faster because you can stop yourself in the middle of the behavior and say, this isn't about this. It's about this old experience that I had and I'm allowing it to color what's happening today in this moment. And when you become more aware of those things, it's, it's so much easier to interrupt that pattern and, and really move forward fully into the life that you want, that you're creating for yourself. Yeah. Diane, you're just full of wisdom. I love this. Um, I feel like, I mean, celebrating everything hard that you've been through, like not just Diane, but everyone listening to this, you know, we can pause right now, you know, raise your right arm cross your body, pat your back, like celebrate yourself. Yes. We're both doing it. We've all had hard things happen. Like we've, it doesn't, I I hear so many people who compare their hard to someone else's hard and they, they minimize their feelings because, um, you know, it wasn't that bad, right? Like that's the words, you know, it's not as bad as so-and-so I shouldn't feel this way, but it it doesn't work like that, right? Like our bodies. all process situations differently. And if something is traumatic to your nervous system, it's traumatic to your nervous system. Like that's you, it's your body. And so, um, if anyone's listening and you're like, well, you know, my life hasn't, hasn't been like that, or my life's been more like this, or like, we don't need to do the comparison game. We can like pause right now, celebrate the hard that you've been through, because I guarantee you, you've had hard times and you're like, yeah, of course (laughs) we are humans. Right. Um, And I think even if you haven't been through something that's like, you know, big T trauma, that's, um, that like everyone would label as traumatic. Um, there are things that have happened in your past and Diane and I, um, we were certified in the same coaching modalities. And so we both work with our clients in this way. Like, even if you haven't had something very significantly traumatic happen to you, at some point in your childhood, there is something that happened that your body, your subconscious thought was life-threatening. This could be something like somebody took away your ice cream cone and you are like, that was mine. Like the survival instinct kicks in or something, you know, like, and so as Diane was talking about, um, you know, in, in our current marriage, sometimes it might like pull her back to her previous marriage. That's very normal. And that's like the kind of work that we love doing with our clients, is when we find those moments of like, ooh, so that took you back to that. That means there's like a thread there in your subconscious mind and we can work with that, right? Like we can help with that. And so um, I loved that Diane shared that and like 
we are human, just like our clients are human. We all have stuff that we're working through. We have those moments. The differences that we know what to look for. And we're like, Ooh, okay. That's interesting. Like, that's like my favorite phrase It's like, that's interesting. Like, why did, why did my brain remember that memory in this moment? Like, and then, and then we can dig in, right. As coaches, we have the tools to do that. Yeah. And so curious about ourselves. It's so important, Megan. I know it really is. And not taking ourselves too seriously, right? Like it's all just (laughs) brain wiring and we can, we can make it work. Um, so I am wondering, Diane, you, you maybe kind of spoke to this now already, but like certain things that are triggering to you. I know you've done a lot of work. Um, I'm guessing there are, because like I just said, we're all human. We all have things that kind of pull us back to certain places. Um, and I think, I think it's helpful for people to see that as coaches, we're always healing, right? There's always new layers to be healed. Um, we're like onions, right? And Shrek, it's like, like an onion. Um, (laughs) so maybe for you, like it's with like things like a divorce or a death of a child, like there's an anniversary and maybe that's like always hard for you. And maybe there's certain ways that you know, you need to be supporting yourself through that. And maybe it's just out of the blue. Um, somebody makes a comment and it's like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that kind of emotional response. So I'm curious if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, So earlier this week would have been an anniversary for my first marriage. And in the past, that day could have held significance for me. I didn't even realize it had passed until it was gone this year around. So there's a lot of healing Mm. there. So it Mm -hmm. is possible. Um, Next month will be three years since we lost my son to suicide. And um, that has, it's, it's still very recent. That grief is still very much at the surface Um, it's interesting the way that this processes differently than, um, other losses. So, um, I'm, I'm one of a very large number of siblings and we have one single living relative in any generation older than us. So there's been a lot of death and a lot of grief in my family. And this one just hits differently for a lot of reasons. And so I know that leading up to, um, that day, I need a lot of resources, not just me, but my family needs a lot of resources. We have to plan in um, time for one another, time with one another, and um, the grace to allow these emotions to express themselves and the space to do that. So we call it the grace and space. I need the grace and space to feel the big feelings. and we do, we, we feel the big feelings. Sometimes my, my daughter, um, my youngest daughter will just, she'll wake up in the morning and she'll say, mom, I had a dream about my brother. Okay. Was it a good dream or a bad dream? Right. And we just start there and I let her pour that out. Um, and sometimes we talk about him and sometimes she says, nope, I just, I just wanted to say those words so that you know what's going on with me today. Um, last year, I thought I had everything planned. I had planned to take um, a couple of days off of work. I had things to do and I had um, resources and I had phone calls set up and I had my support system um, for myself and my family. And um, the day before um, my son's birthday, 
I like I did the same thing. I planned for that week as well. And the day before his birthday, I was like, I'm good. I'm going to work today to my office. Um, and and I have things planned up and, and I'm ready for tomorrow. I'm ready for his birthday. I'm not going to work that day. I have we have family things already set aside the time, the space, the space and the grace right to do the things. And at 630 in the morning, while I was driving, I got a phone call. And it was an automated system from the pediatrician's office, reminding me that my child would be turning 18 the next day, and that I would no longer have access to his medical records. I felt like someone had punched me in the throat hmm. and then reached down and ripped my heart out. I had prepared myself for the next day, which would have been his 18th birthday, but I didn't prepare myself for that phone call. And I had done all the things after he passed away to notify all the people. And I stopped getting notifications for dental appointments and eye exams. And let me tell you the first two years, that was like a gut punch too. And so sometimes I know when things are coming and I can prepare myself and sometimes I don't. And on the days where it reaches out and grabs me when I'm not expecting, that's when I really lean into feeling the things that I need to feel, processing them and recognizing that, that I am human. And that I loved him so very, very deeply. That will never change. And there's a lot of grace in that, knowing that he was an incredible human being. Um, and I can acknowledge that and process the loss. I will never have an 18th birthday with him. Okay. And I have two other children who will have all those milestones. And... By creating and developing and cultivating the resiliency in myself and in my kids, I am ensuring that we have the resources to carry us through those difficult moments. Mm, yeah. I mean, I love that, like the grace and the space. And I feel like you know, having grace and space with yourself. Like you did all that preparation for the actual day. And then it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about. You don't have control over what happens to you. Right. But you, you get to decide what you do next. And so, um, I think that you're amazing. First of all, for being on this podcast and sharing about such, oh my goodness, such hard things. Um, but you know, life is, life is life. <laughs> and I just love how you're willing to share about the hard, be vulnerable on here. And, um, beforehand I was like, Dan, are you sure you're ready to do this? And she's like, <laughs> yes, it's needed. People yes. need to hear this. Like, it's going to be helpful. I was like, yes. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. So Diane and I, like I said earlier, we, we did our coaching certification weeks together. We did both two weeks, two week long certifications. So, we both had, I mean, our own experiences, but also experiences together in the group, um, healing, working through like subconscious reprogramming. And I'm wondering, Diane, if you have other like modalities that you've tried or, 
or that you use now that you that have really helped you as you've been on this healing journey, um, working through your grief, working through kind of those triggers and those things that just kind of pull you back? Like, how do you how do you get out of that and how do you move through it? Um, if you have tools or resources or other modalities you'd like to share. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of my most favorite things, I think um, something that a lot of people don't understand or don't take into account is um, the physical entrapment of emotions in our bodies. And once you understand that, um, a lot of times my clients don't, they need some framework around that. And so I say, have you ever had... um, an experience where you laughed so hard you cried. And they'll say, yeah, of course. Like like tears Mm -hmm. are rolling down your face because you're laughing so hard you can barely catch your breath. And then you also associate crying with something that's sad or disappointing or upsetting. Have you ever cried out of anger? So those tears, chemically speaking, from a scientific perspective, we know that tears cried from joy tears cried from laughter, tears cried from grief, tears cried from anger, they all have different chemical makeups. And that is the emotion physically being released from your body. Tears don't have to be sad. Tears can be happy. Mm. So, um, so once I figured that piece out, and once I convey that to clients, then there's a lot of of opportunity to, to physically move emotion. And so one of the things that I found that's really, really helpful is EFT, emotional freedom technique tapping. And um, if you guys don't know what that is, anyone listening, I highly encourage you to check out the tapping solution. Um, fantastic website, lots of resources and an app. Um, it ex- they've got lots of um, information that explains the scientific concepts behind tapping very similar to Chinese acupuncture. Um, And it's an incredible resource that you can do anywhere. And you don't need any special tools. Once you learn the rhythm and understand the process of doing it, you can actually shift uh, emotional charge within your body in in anywhere from 30 seconds to um, you can even do a longer tapping session, average about 10 minutes, Um, and, and even upwards of an hour. Um, but, but honestly, you can have some significant shifts in the physical presence of emotions in your body. And, um, that's one of my favorite resources is, is using the EFT tapping. Um, and then there are so many great parasympathetic tools as well. Um, just depending on where I am and what's going on. I, Mm -hmm. I love, um, like cold water, cold plunges. Um, Sometimes the only thing I can get to is a cold water tap. So just turn the tap on and putting my wrist there just to um, invite my body to slow down and rest. Um, Know that I am safe. Um, Weighted blankets, fantastic. So, um, or a very large dog. I have a very large dog, likes to sit on people. So don't really need a dog blanket. Yeah. When you have a 90 pound Labrador, you're pretty good for a while. Um, so yeah, there are lots of things that I've used, but to me, that physical movement of emotion, um, is more accessible. Like I don't always have the space, the privacy or the clarity to journal things out. Um, 
so being able to tap, you can tap while you're driving. Um, you can do deep breathing exercises, breathing exercises um, in, in all kinds of places. And those sorts of physical movements um, I have found so incredibly helpful. Yeah. Okay. So we will put the tapping solution. I'll, I'll include the website or a link to them in the show notes so that people can get resources to that. Um, tapping can be so helpful and it does work so fast. I mean, it's like amazing. I haven't been certified in, in tapping, but like I've used it in so many different programs that I've been a part of. And it's like almost shocking sometimes. It's like, how did, how did that work? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Let's just keep, keep <laughs> doing that. And so, yeah, I mean, I love the parasympathetic tools. Like my favorite is just this chest thumping, like, <laughs> If my family sees me just sitting down, chest thumping, they just know mom's like working through something like mom's, <laughs> mom's stressed. She's trying to get out of it. Um, and I try and teach my kids those things too. And it's like, well, they resist because they're young and they think it's silly, but it works so much. And I try and prove to them all the time how much it works. I'm like, you see what just happened? Your attitude shifted. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it takes some kids longer than others. My 21 year old called me the other day and said, um, listen carefully, because I'm only going to say it once. But remember, you told me about that thing. And it was a parasympathetic tool. She's like, yeah, it works. <laughs> you were right. It works. Like, okay, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's amazing. Some someday. But I mean, the great thing is, the people that like we are working with as clients, they come to us because they want resources. So they're like, give me, give me the tools, right? Like I have the situation and how do I work through it? And I love, I love personally love working with people who are like ready. Like they're like, this is what I need. Like, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Um, and I think anyone who's experiencing any sort of um, anything they want to be more resilient to, like the people that you're working with, they're ready too. like, they're like, I like they've made a decision. I'm working in this direction. Um, help me get there. Right. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious for you, Diane, like, do you have kind of like a goal? Like, what are you working towards? How do you envision your, your life moving forwards? Like we, obviously we can't like change the past, but we, we do, like we've talked about a lot, we get to choose what we want to do moving forward. We get to choose what we do next. Um, and so I'm wondering, like, do you have a goal? Like, how do you want your life to look or feel, um, as you're doing all this work and, you know, it's kind of like compounding work, right? Like, you know, it's not just, oh, I, <laughs> I did the par parasympathetic thing when I was stressed in traffic the other day. And it's like an isolated event. It, it's not like you're actually, it's compounding, like it's helping It's like a snowball, right? Like you're building momentum and you're shifting the neural pathways every single time you do these things. And so, do you know, like, do you know kind of what, how you envision your life or, um, if you have kind of any goals, I'm curious. Oh, well, that's an interesting question, Megan. <laughs> I, I do. Yeah. I mean, so I didn't realize that I had been living in a dysregulated state for so long. Um, and now that I know my goal is to have less of that and to know how to resource myself up the reality of life is it's going to life at you, right? Like there's mm -hmm. no way to know food poisoning, stomach bugs, wind storms, um, 
hair that catches on fire from a birthday candle, like you say it because you have to, you just don't know, <laughs> right? Um, fantastic vacations, places you've never been before that you go to see and you just have to go back to and you've got to figure out a way to get there. Um, there's there's joy to be found um, when you're open to finding it. And that's what I want for my future. That's what I'm striving for. I could put a specific goal on a piece of paper. I can drop it into my timeline and I can go for it. And really everything comes down to living my life in a way that is full of peace and clarity, knowing and having confidence that the decisions I make are the right decisions for me. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. And by modeling that, doing it myself, I'm modeling that for the people around me. And I have become very choosy over the past 10 years, who is in my life and who isn't. And it's okay for some people to serve your life for a specific reason or a specific time. And it's perfectly fine to outgrow relationships, um, outgrow behaviors, and, and move on to things that really serve you in the way that you want to be. And so that's my goal. That's what I see in my future is helping f people find more of that for themselves as I have more of that for myself and the people around me. Mm, that's good. I love that goal. That's perfect. Um, okay. So as you're saying, you know, you want to be helping people. Can you tell us more about your coaching business? Who do you help? How do you help them? Um, if someone's listening right now, how would they know like, oh, Diane's the person I need to reach out to? So my clients are typically women. I do work with men. I work with adolescents on a case-by-case -case basis. There's a lot of parental conversation that has to happen there. Primarily, though, I work with women. And I work with women who know that something needs to change. They've tried a few things before. Nothing's quite clicking. And they're ready to do something different because they're ready for something different. And so most of my clients come to me because they're in a transition period in their life, um, maybe changing careers or going back to work after raising kids, um, not sure if they should be staying in a relationship or going. Um, and my job isn't to advise them to do anything. It's to walk them through the different exercises, tools, and resources so that they feel confident in the decision that they end up making. Mm. Mm-hmm. You're, I love that. Empowering people. Very, yeah. very, very good. Hmm. Okay. That is there anything small else? Small our intuition. And so I'm, I'm helping clients lean into their intuition. Yes. It's such a powerful thing when we can learn to trust ourselves enough to make our own decisions instead of outsourcing that. <laughs> so important. <laughs> exactly. Um, Okay. So as we're wrapping up, is there anything else that you would like to share that I didn't ask you, you wish I would have now is your time if there's anything. And if not, that's fine too. We would love to know how can people find you and follow you and work with you? Where can they get a hold of you? And I will so, put these links that she mentioned in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking to work with me, you can find me on Instagram, epiphany for you coaching. And you can also find me at epiphanyforyou.com. 
And there are links on the Instagram and the website to get more information. And we can have a connection call and see if it makes sense to work with one another. The fantastic thing about being in this particular line of work is that I have incredible resources and a wide network of people like you, Megan. So Mm -hmm. if a client reaches out, a potential client reaches out, and I'm just not the right fit for whatever reason, I'm always happy to refer them out so that they get a coach to work with that is really going to help them drill down, figure out what's going on and um, get the results that they're looking for specifically. So feel free to reach out. And if we are not a good fit, I will help you find someone who is, if you are really looking to shift things in your life. Wonderful. Yes. And I feel like, um, you know, we can, in the, in those connection calls, we can usually get a pretty good feel for like, this might not be right, but I know who would be right. Like we, we, we know our network so well that it's like, like if someone's listening to this and you're like, I don't want to call. Cause I don't know what I'm looking for. Like, you don't even have to know, like you just have the conversation and we could be like, we know who is going to be like a great fit for you and suggest them and then um, send you on your way. So yeah, I love that. Love that piece. Love having this network. Um, And I just am so glad that you wanted to come on the podcast, Diane. Thank you so much for being here. You're Um, welcome. Thank you for having me. Wednesday mornings are my favorite. That's when the podcast releases. It's my favorite morning of the week. I know. I love that. Um, Seriously, guys, Diane is like my biggest cheerleader. And I love getting her messages every Wednesday. She's like, I loved it today. I loved it today. Thank you so much. So um, you guys can just tell from this interview um, Diane is a wonderful person. So if you're looking for, to work with someone, go work with her. If you're wanting to just expand your network and you're like, I want her in my life, go find her. And, um, thank you so much, Diane. Thanks for having me, Megan. Hey, look at you go. You made it all the way to the end of the episode. That is something to celebrate. Do you know how many people don't finish the things they start? If you liked this episode and want to support me and my mission to help people find purpose, heal their past, and get results, share the love. It would be amazing if you would leave a rating and review or take a screenshot and share it on social media. And if you're ready to dig deep, do the work, and get results, head on over to redeemingrootscoaching.com to join the email list and book a discovery call to see if working together would be a good fit. Thank you so much for listening today. See you next time.